What's up? Let's go. My son, Vincent, he's 11, told me last night at dinner, he said, hey, Dad, he said, uh, when every single time we leave class, a teacher has to check all of our desks. And then he says, hey, Dad, every single time we, we uh, change classes, the teachers check all the bathrooms. Why is that, Vincent? Looking for swastikas. I said, did they find anything today? He said, they found someone drew the F word in the boys' bathroom. And so it goes. My son's 11, and I would guarantee you this, he knew nothing about swastikas until now, and now he does because in Mount Lebanon, at my son's award-winning school, they have found at least uh, three swastikas in the bathrooms, the boys' bathrooms, recently. Outrage, pain, fear, nonchalance. Ah, oh, boys are being boys. Hell with that, man. This ain't boys being boys. Party's over for that crap. From an insider, one of the rabbis in Mount Lebanon said, these are just 11, 12, 13-year-old kids knowing they would get a rise out of the adults. It is scary, Marty, for our Jewish community, and the kids don't grasp the gravity of of their actions. They do now. Or do they? Look, man, and be colic. Everybody's white. Everybody's rich. Mount Lebanon. This is dark. This is dark. There's a crack in the bubble. With all gifted, all straight A, all amazing students. The reality sets in that there is hate. And hate speak everywhere. What do we do about it? How do you catch these kids? Do you call in the feds? Is it a hate crime? We just ignore and say, ah, oh, boys will be boys. To hell with that. First time, you call an assembly. Say, this is this. This is the gravity of this. If we catch you, here's what we do. Kick you out of school. But then two, three times, maybe more. The theory is it's either a couple boys who think this is funny and like getting away with it, or one boy who's troubled. Either way. It's got people scared, anxious, embarrassed, ashamed. It's a middle school, my son's middle school. One of the smartest men I know, former U.S. Attorney David Hickton, joins me. Good morning, David. How are you, sir? Good morning, Marty. How are you? Fantastic, uh, Mr. Hickton. Uh, We go way back. Uh, You have seen it all twice, as I like to say. But when you've got... Boys this age doing this sort of thing, sir, it's un- unsettling, isn't it? Makes me sick to my stomach, really concerning. You know, I think the uh, solution has many dimensions, but the first, uh, first step is the community has to own the problem. This is not an isolated situation. I think that's happening. The people in Mount Lebanon are good people. As you said, it's one of the best schools in the country. I think the second thing is we have to recognize the venue. I'm a believer in restorative justice for children in school, not punitive justice. And in the adult world, some of the most powerful forums I've been on against hate have been where former skinheads and hate mongers have reformed and come forward. It's really powerful, especially with children. We need to we need to educate. But the awareness is out there now. And now the question is, what specific tactical steps can we take to identify this. I think we need to recognize 
<clears throat> that hate through the use of a swastika is not just hate against the Jewish community. It's an outrageous historical reference that led to the extermination of a large portion of the Jewish community, and we recognize it for that. But I'm a believer that hate affects us all. And so everybody has to have outrage. We need collective community outrage. And I think we need to recognize that we have moved in the last several years under the fake pretext of political correctness. We've moved the norms so that expressions of hate are now more mainstream. And that is a very dangerous situation. I think the final thing I would say is we need to starkly recognize that in addition to hate against the Jewish community, hate against mankind, the swastika represents an authoritarian regime. And we've moved the norms on that. The suggestion that somehow our democracy doesn't serve us, the suggestion that somehow we need an authoritarian leader like Hitler is out there. And we need to recognize that for what it is. And we need to we need to take it apart. Former U.S. Attorney David Hickton. David, uh, for reference, please give our audience uh, kind of an update on what you're doing, which has significance to what we're talking about today, sir. Well, I just re- returned from working on coronavirus in the Congress, and I'm teaching again at Pitt. And I've just finished a semester where I taught cybercrime and federal hate crimes. And I'm running Pitt Cyber, where we've launched, since I've been back, uh, a disinformation lab and a democracy institute. And we're about to put the finishing touches on a project about how all technology, especially artificial intelligence, might be used to our disadvantage, and we need to establish guidelines. So I'm really excited about all the things I'm working on, and I I believe these are man-made problems that can be susceptible to man-made solutions, but I think we need to be serious. You know, think about the Nazi image and how we used to laugh at it and mock it. There was a big battle years ago in Skokie, Illinois, about giving them access, and at that time, we believed that if we let people express themselves as Nazis, they would be seen for the fools that they are. And it became actually a chapter in that famous movie, The Blues Brothers, where they were mocked as clowns. Well, we're not there now. The digital age has made a lot of this uh, more susceptible to being accepted as mainstream. And we've allowed some of our leadership to, to make hate speech uh, uh, part of their part of their shtick on the basis that uh, I'm not being politically correct so I can express these ridiculous reviews. We used to marginalize hate mongers, and now we're starting to glorify them. So I think this problem ultimately is an adult problem. I, I agree. think a child of middle school age does this without, you know, without encouragement. I say it all day long, David. Uh, we're cool now with burning the flag. We're cool now with giving the finger to a cop. We're cool now with wearing a shirt in public that says F. Joe Biden, F.U. 46. We're cool with that. And we wonder why we've got 11-year-old boys etching swastikas in bathrooms in my son's school. Can you hang, sir? Sure. It's an important conversation. He nailed it. This is about us, man. It's about mom and dad. This is what our kids are learning. Man, we're a mirror to them. Watch them walk and talk. The way my son chews. The way he uses his voice, the way he laughs, it's me. So if my son sees me giving a cop the finger or burning the flag or wearing an F. Joe Biden shirt, my son thinks, hey, that's cool. It's my dad. 
three swastikas, maybe more, in my son's middle school at Jefferson Elementary in Lebo in what we call Oz in the bubble where everyone's perfect, everyone's gifted, everybody's wealthy, everybody's white, and everybody does everything right. This is not the case here. And I think part of it is dealing with this is more than just, hey, boys being boys. We can't do that anymore. But what do we do? Ah. They're trying their darndest, checking every desk, checking every bathroom. Can't put cameras in the bathroom. For, and acknowledging that this is more than just, ah, oh, boys being boys, is step one in my little world. Former U.S. Attorney David Hickton joining me on one of the smartest men I've ever been lucky enough to be around. David, is this a hate crime, sir? Well, it probably is not. It's very difficult to federally prosecute minors in the first place. And in the second place, if you look at Shepard Bird, it probably doesn't fit the definition. Um, there's, there's certainly a crime here, but it would probably be handled by the juvenile courts. And, David, is this boys being boys, sir? Is there something not, much not, more not grave? All. Not at all, Marty. This is an outrage, and this should alarm everybody. And as you said, it's been going on for a while. It, it can be the indicator of something far worse that can happen should be taken very seriously. But it's really a cultural phenomenon, and it's going to take mass community outrage. Look, remember when people accepted drunk driving until we started to look at pictures of the victims on billboards? And now it's not only criminally prosecuted very vigorously, but it's, it's, it's not accepted in the community as acceptable anymore. Remember when we used to go through the ridiculous ritual of sitting in open settings with people smoking cigarettes until we realized that secondhand smoke was one of the leading causes of lung cancer. And now we look back at that era and say, what was that about? And that's what's going to have to happen with hate. Hate is going to have to go beyond being not cool. It's going to have to be a community shame if you act with hatred towards one another. I remain hopeful that we're going to get there. We just have to have you know, uh, uh, leadership in the community. We have to have people bring awareness to this. We have to do education. I don't think a kid of middle school age even understands what a Nazi swastika is. Uh, they, they, they can't possibly have understood history to understand that. But when you talk about, you know, lynchings and swastikas and, and burning crosses, there are certain identifiable symbols of hatred that are so outrageous that it's just shocking that, that, that someone would gravitate towards that, and we just need to get right at it as if uh, our, our lives matter. And it always comes back to what are they learning from mom and dad when dad thinks it's cool to chant F. Joe Biden at a pit game, and this happened at the last pit game. What is Johnny learning at home? It's same as when Robert De Niro chanted F. Trump live on the Tony Awards. We set horrific examples. And now our kids, David, think this is cool. So, so well, said I, some... did a program the other, I did a program the other day with Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, which people can look at online. It'll be posted at Pitt Cyber. And, you know, I'm a believer that, that there, there is a bipartisan, bipartisan consensus on what's right here. And uh, he's a Republican Secretary of State, who your, your listeners may remember, stood up to Donald Trump when he was asked to find 12,000 votes. And he paid a price for it. But the bottom line is, when you talk to people like that, you realize that 
that it, this isn't a political statement. And some of these statements of hate have become political yes, anthems sir. Yes, sir. for some people. It's yes. ridiculous. Shameful. So, so you said something. Forget about we want what is justice? What is rather than punitive justice? So a lot of folks would say, grab these kids, throw them out of school. You would suggest otherwise, sir. I did a great study when I was U.S. attorney with Rand Corporation, which does some really great research. And we learned that if we use punitive justice in the schools, it's counterproductive. We need restorative justice. We need to teach. You know, people are supposed to make mistakes at this age of their life. When they make a mistake, we're not supposed to destroy them. We're supposed to, we can take this terrible incident and turn it into a learning experience. And I don't believe that you just go search and destroy and try and uh, ruin someone's life when they're 13 years old. That's what I believe. David Hickton, it's always a pleasure. Really appreciate you, sir. Great, great points. Thank you. Thank you, Marty. It's amazing. They're learning from us, folks. If you swear, they swear. Seriously. This is how this rolls, man. If you do the right thing, they do the right thing. Just remember that. It's a phenomenon. What's happening in healthcare here? Forget the uh, the alleged uh, walkout yesterday at UPMC. Forty employees out of forty-five thousand. Spare me. Fart in a bathtub. We'll get into that later and the political ramifications of that silliness. But the bigger story, the insanity. Is there a nurse out there? A nurse that ever thought that you could make? $187,200 a year as a nurse here in the Berg. Anyone. 187200 How about $208,000? As a nurse, anyone ever thought you could make that? As a nurse, not a doctor, not a surgeon, not a nurse anesthetist. How about $229,341? How about that? As a nurse, anyone, 866-391-1020, I want to hear from a couple of nurses. As a nurse, did you ever imagine you could make $249,600 here in the Berg without leaving the, without leaving the city? It's insanity. This has never happened in the history of medicine. Let me fill you in. So... You have employment agencies now hustling nurses. I'm serious. So here's what they're offering nurses. So you go from a UPMC hospital to an AHN hospital. And you go from 30 bucks an hour, average pay, 27 really for a starting nurse, 27 an hour, to $90 an hour. And that's the minimum. You can go, these are 12-week contracts. It's insane, man. And, and what it points out is the insanity in healthcare right now and the desperate, desperate push for more nurses. Bad, man. Can you imagine? There are nurses here right now. They're called local travel nurses. So back up a month or so. I was talking to you about travel nurses. My niece goes to California where they can make 6000 a week after taxes insane right now you can make it here just drive across town it's that bad so the options 
$90 an hour, $100 an hour, $110 an hour, or $120 an hour. as a nurse. Would you take that? The young nurses are saying, I'm out of here, bruh. I'll work for... And and then what they do is they work that contract. Then they go to another hospital and make $110 an hour, which is $229,000. Then they go to another hospital for 12 weeks and make $208,000. It has never happened in medicine before. And no one knows how it ends, when it ends, and if the healthcare system can support it. My good friend, Dr. Kevin Wong. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hi, Marty. How are you doing? How long have you been in medicine, doctor? 40th year of practice now. Have you ever so, seen this, sir? No, and hopefully you never will. I mean, we've seen problems with workforce uh, uh, shortages everywhere, but... Hopefully this will die down because this is not sustainable. You cannot pay anybody that much out of their proportion normal salary and have it sustainable because hospitals have to get paid. They have to have staffing. We have to take care of patients. You just hope the demand will slow down and will level out across the country. Otherwise, the system cannot sustain this. What happens then? The smaller hospitals, from what I'm already told, the ones that don't have the big reserves and the big income numbers, they could go out of business, sir. Close. Shut down. Absolutely. That easily can happen, yes. Unfortunately, yes. Because there's no way, there's no way a small regional hospital can pay a nurse $249,600, can they, sir? No. So that's why they just have to hope that their local staff will continue to work locally and not go somewhere else. But you, you're... The loyalty for staff only goes so far in this day and age of big business, whether it's this profession, whether it's sports profession. You know, people will go for that short-term big salary, and you can't blame them, especially if they have big debts. Don't you have problems with, because I heard this directly from a family member who is a traveling nurse, you go to a new facility, there's a new indoctrination, there's a new region, there's a new way to handle things. Don't you create that issue where you're just throwing someone into the fire and they really don't know what they're doing and they're making $250,000, sir? Well, and that has been an issue for years. That's why the original issue of the traveling nurse stopped because JCH, which does hospital evaluations, requires a certain amount of orientation. So even when that person gets there, they have to orient for so many days to their policies and hopefully they catch up very quickly because it is a learning curve when you go to a new facility, um, electronic records, protocols, etc. So it is a learning curve and you hope that they take it up very quickly and they're proficient quickly because that's the other issue we're not even talking about. Dr. Kevin Wong, uh, doctor, you've been at it 40 years. My sister's been at it as a nurse about the same amount of time. And you're kind of old school and so is she. She ain't going anywhere because she respects and admires what she's doing and sticking with it. But, doctor, the young nurses, they're saying to heck with it. And they're jumping all over the place, making this kind of money that they never imagined. I think it's a bad thing. Don't you, sir? It is. I mean, it doesn't matter which profession. It's a bad thing. You cannot have disproportionate salaries. You hope that the demand will come down shortly, that these peaks will pass, and that the places will be able to function because these hospitals that are offering that salary cannot offer it. 
any length of time more than this. That's why they're short-term contracts. Well, I mean, they're not going to be able to sustain this. And so they, they're going to get enough staff and come back to normal staffing salaries or they will not be in business. Well, well, and here's the personal dynamic of this that you just kind of touched on, doctor. So you got nurses on the floor making 30 bucks an hour. They bring in a young nurse and they pay her $120 an hour. And all she did was move hospitals across town in Pittsburgh. That creates some anxiety, doesn't it, sir? Well, I mean, anxiety, animosity. That's right. But also the fact that that person coming in does not know the floor, does not know the policies. So who's working harder there now? Yeah, it's dangerous. And would you recommend, if you had a daughter or a niece, would you tell her, get on that horse and ride, make the big bucks? Would you tell her that, doctor? Well, I mean, I personally have told people they shouldn't do it for a lot of different reasons. But obviously, if they've got big debts to pay or they're young and they want to go somewhere, can't can't hold them back. I mean, this is what they need to look at. I mean, for young people who haven't seen the country, but it's a perfect place to do. I mean, as I said, traveling nurses have been around for a long, long time. And just like traveling doctors, but the salary differential has never been this crazy before. It's insane. Thanks, Doc. Have a good one. Scary. However, comma, man, if I got a young daughter and, and, and she has $100,000 in student loans and she says, Dad, I can pay off my loans in a year. I can make two hundred fifty grand. i am saying, go for it, girlfriend, now. If you're a nurse and you're making $249,600 and you don't have to, you don't have to move out of the city because the rules have now changed. As Dr. Kevin Wong says, travel nurses have always been around. You always made more money than others, but not this kind of money. And then prior to this insanity, you got to go to California to make 6000 a week. Not anymore. So now you can work at one hospital for 12 weeks, then go to another hospital system and work for another 12 weeks and make nearly $48,000 for 12 weeks. It's not good. By the way, if you're a young guy, a young gal, and you're a nurse, I'm doing it. I'm paying off my loans. I'm saving money for a house. It's life-changing money. But it's jacking with the healthcare system. Big time. My friend Joanne in Point Breeze, good morning. Hi, Marty. You're, you know, you're making this sound like it's all about uh, money, and a lot of times it is. If you have anybody in these hospitals now, you better make sure you're in there and checking on what's happening. I mean, it's not, you know, the nursing field, what's happening, and people are going into it for the money. And, it, you know, you can keep looking at the money thing, but it's more than about money. You hope you don't get stuck with a needle and end up dying. You hope you don't catch a disease and dying. So it's more than just about money. Oh, oh, to make oh, like I, I agree with you. Look, look, thing. my family, I have a bunch of nurses in my family. They spent their lives saving well, so lives. So never, ever, never made more than 30 bucks an hour. But now they're making 120 bucks an hour. And my dear, it's about money. Well, Mar, uh, you're trying to make like it's such a one. If people are doing that, I'm telling you, if you have anybody in the hospital, and I don't blame them, yeah. you know, but, you know, they're traveling those things, been in play for a long, long time. Not like if this. If you have family members. Not like they this. They have been paying a lot more money if you're a traveling nurse not like this. if you're here. You're not listening Stop. to me. She wants to fight with me. It's not true. As I said, if people would listen, they've been traveling for decades, but now... Generally, 
if you go into a hospital, most nurses are making twenty-seven to thirty dollars an hour, and you go in at one hundred twenty dollars an hour. It's historic. It's explosive money, and it's not a good thing. It's funny, um, Chief Harbin, who's retired, uh, says, "Wonder if the same thing will happen with the cop shortage." No. This is actually an amazing observation. Cities are dramatic.